The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. Well, fresh from the Green Party Think In, I'm joined by the leader of the Green Party and, of course, Minister for Environment, Climate Communications and Transport, Eamon Ryan. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Anton. The Think In yesterday, it got you where? It got us together to get ready for the doll coming back next week and look ahead to the next year and work collectively. So what are we, what's our key priorities? What are, what's, what do we focus on? And it does, they do, I know it's ritual and it's kind of slightly kind of theatre type things, but actually it's a, it's important part before you, before the doll returns to, it's, it's like a football team. Kind of, you know, before the game, you're in, you're in the dressing room, you're kind of, okay, lads, what are we going to do here? That's and presumably the significance of them increases as we get into the kind of electoral cycle we're in now where elections are coming down the track and that preparation begins. Well, one thing I'd say on that, I think timing is everything in politics. And I think, I just think we're slightly careful. We don't trip ourselves up and say, oh, you know, we're into the election run now. I don't think we are. Well, sorry, I think we're into an election season, but it's the local European elections. Like That's what's important. I, the general election will follow after that, and in my mind, should be if if it's possible. And and it's in March twenty five because we have a stable government, we have a in my mind effective government, and and in a world and which is not that's not common. Where I'll give an example, like I was in London on Monday, and I met the fifth energy minister from the UK that I've been working with in the last three years. And that's like, you know, not, not, not to be critical of the UK government, they're very, but that's not great in terms of stability or in terms of getting things done. You know, if you have a government, are there other examples in Europe where, you know, governments are falling and last, and I think for the Irish people, you know, you elect people to go for for a five year term, and I think although presumably real politic comes into it, if you discover yourself riding high mid twenty twenty four, do you not take the opportunity when it hands itself? Well, that'd be the Taoiseach's prerogative, and and uh, but but I think uh, there's work to be done, and we should get on and do it. And, and I think then when the election comes, yeah, okay, then you focus on that. But if I don't know if we'd be serving the Irish people if we spent the next eighteen months thinking thinking about an election, we do your work and then go to the people. When you do think about it, how well do you think you're positioned? Because you, you face relative challenges in the polls and you face a particular challenge in the transfer attractiveness of the Green Party. Well, we'll see when the election comes. But historically, we've always been very good at people voting from different parties, voting for a second preference. I um, So do you think that's an inaccurate reflection of the reality, that poll that suggests that you're not transfer friendly? I think polls in the middle of a term... Uh, will be slightly different when it actually comes to election and you have to make a choice. So what sort of future do I want? I think there's a slightly different thing. And also you're voting for a person, whereas in the poll you're voting for, you know, a, a name or a party, not the, not the person's name. Um, I was saying yesterday, and I think it's true, that by any measure, if you look in terms of who've actually delivered and what they promised to do, I think we're right up there as one of the most effective coalition partners. Where, I mean, in pa- previous times in government, smaller parties would be described as the mudguard. What I said, no, we're more like the front wheel here because we are actually delivering significant change, in my mind, for the benefit of our country, and also urgent change because our world is burning and the destruction of nature is tangible and the need to restore nature and prevent runaway climate change is the biggest issue of our time. And if you are, if you are achieving that, let, let me accept the premise, are you doing it in a way that the public recognises that it is you responsible? I think back to the PDs when they were a junior party in government and there were certain things like the fair deal, like the deregulation of, of uh, pharmacy, 
that were very recognised as PD policy. Mm. Whether you liked them or didn't like them, there was a sense that they were driving their agenda. Has the Green Party managed to put its stamp on that which it's doing? I think there's always risk in politics. You say, oh, oh we're doing brilliantly, except our, our communications isn't good. <laughs> you know, if only the people understood how brilliant we are. And I think you have to be careful of that. But we wrote a very strong programme for government. The head of the European Greens in the European Brussels looked at it and he says, that's the greenest programme for government I've seen. And if you do it on just an absolutely rational basis, have we achieved bum, 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 bum? And actually we have. I'm going to give you an example. Thinking back in the last all. So in the last all, myself and Catherine Martin were, were the two Green TDs and we set out various things. We, we organised a vote and a motion that we would introduce um, cost rental housing. This is this new form of public housing that's open to everyone that lowers the cost if you're in the rental market. And that's now been delivered at scale and that's not insignificant and will become more and more insignificant because it's going to scale up and up and up. Similarly, in the last all, I remember we were, these are kind of complex terms, but we were saying our whole forestry model needs to change away from this kind of uh, clear fell kind of monoculture, industrial forestry production towards a more nature-based continuous cover system. And again, if you look at what's just been delivered by Pippa Hackett and government, we've just delivered it. Um, the this change towards public transport, the change towards retrofitting of housing, the we promised we did a big stunt in the last doll. We said we're going to introduce a deposit refund scheme. We're going to introduce it next February, and I could keep going on. You know what Roger Gorman did about reducing childcare costs, um, what Catherine's been doing in terms of introducing basic income for the artists. No one would have said, you know, said oh, your pipe dream. You'll never deliver it. It's, it's here now. But are, are you saying that it is your genuinely held belief that those things, like significant changes to either a deposit or, or um, rental or purchase schemes for housing, those kind of things would not have occurred without the Green Party? That's your belief? Yeah, no, I think I think that we, we, we bring those into politics. Now, part of the job in politics is you don't own it exclusively. If you're going to get over the line, you've got to share it. You, you, you've got to, you know, everyone has to feel they own it. So, so it's not like, and I think the nature of Irish coalition government, which I think is working well for the, our people, um, is that you do have to work in collaboration. Like, in, uh, what I hope and what I think what people will get to vote in the next election, they'll have two questions for them. Well, firstly... I, I think it is a time of change and people do want change. I mean, they want change in the housing system, absolutely, certainly. Uh, but also they want change to address the climate crisis. We have to. We don't have, you know, we're going to let it burn. Um, and I think the type of change I think some will offer is a kind of change the badge, you know, political point change, not necessarily change in substance of what the... Because I don't think, if you look at Sinn Féin, for example, I don't think their housing policy differs that much in terms of what government's now introducing. So... I think we can and will say if we will actually deliver change. And then the second thing you'd look for, well, can you trust them to deliver it? Will they be competent? And I think what we'll be saying, we'll be looking back five years and say, well, actually, we have delivered. And and I think in those circumstances, when you're thinking, who will I vote for? I'm confident and hope they will vote green. You mentioned Sinn Féin. Do you believe that you would be better able to deliver on your agenda in a government led by Sinn Féin or led by Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil? The scale of the change needed for climate is so dramatic. It's so all-pervasive and all-important in my mind because it threatens our very future and it's here now, it's happening. And also, by making the change, we will have a better future. So it's not a negative thing. It won't be work as a punitive, shame-based thing. To make the scale and speed of change, every place matters, 
every person matters. It won't work if it's a divisive, like, look in America, where they've turned it into an identity war thing, you know. Uh, I mean, the Republican, I mean, the most depressing thing I've seen in the, the primary, first question, hands up who thinks climate change is real. I mean, it was ridiculous and embarrassing and, and deeply bad, destructive, in my mind, for the body politic in America. We don't have that. And I think... Um, I, my sense is, and I always answer the question, would you go in with this party or that party, or is this party going to be better for climate or another? I think we want to work with all parties because we think... Uh, yeah, but involved. you're still going to have to... Again, real politics does arrive at some point. You are going to have to sit around a table with somebody if you're a junior coalition partner. You have seen the um, manifestos that, um, from the various different parties. You know their policy positions. Who do you think will be easier to shove along in the direction that you think need? I think you only know that when you got it, when you went into government. Someone, I, I think we are different from the other parties. We do place an emphasis. I mean, our, our principles. We've been we've existence now for forty years. The first principle is that the ecological transition is 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 is, a, is an absolute priority. You have to we, we have to protect our natural world. Second principle is you have to stitch social justice with ecological justice. Third one is a peaceful politics and that includes how you relate and communicate with other people and, and, and with the public. You, you're respectful. You don't, we don't do violence in any form. And then the fourth one is participative. It's believing in a constitutional democratic republic, our constitutional systems. In that circumstance, I think our approach is to say, listen, listen to what the people say. Who do they vote for? And then you sit down and work with them to try and form a government. We do want to be in government. We, this decade is the decade of change. It has to happen. And so so you're agnostic as to who the, the senior partners might be. doesn't matter to you. We will work with all parties. You mentioned the um, Republican primaries and that question about whether or not climate change actually exists. How challenging is it to sell policies to people that appear to them in the short term to be against their own best interests? Because at the heart of the Republican um, uh, culture wars at the moment, is that thing of trying to convince people, look, you don't get to have your truck, you don't get to have your um, uh, boat, you don't get to have gas at $3 or $2 a gallon, all of those kind of things. In the same way, if you look at the nitrates issue that we're currently facing with the farmers, uh, dairy farmers in Ireland, a lot of what the Greens want to do, I would have thought, is a difficult doorstep sell. Or have I that wrong? No, it's clearly true. <laughs> I think, you get, And I think not just America here too. And... I think for a variety of reasons. Firstly, change is difficult. People say, oh, we want change, except uh, not anything that changes my... Kind of <laughs> God make me holy, but just not yet. Yeah, and I think... Um, and it is, it, it is hard. For 150 years, we have been living an incredible expansion in wealth and prosperity on the back of fossil fuels, which are an incredibly energy-dense, rich innovation. I was, Johnson Parrish met once, and he, was, he told me this uh, uh, fact... Uh, a teaspoon of a tablespoon of oil is equivalent to eight hours of digging in energy terms. Like it's turned us from donkeys into cheetahs overnight. And of course, when you say we're actually going to be giving up these fossil fuels because you know what, they're polluting our atmosphere, they're going to kill our planet, uh, that's not easy. Now, how do you do it? And, and the issue of how we communicate this and how we explain and how we inspire and how we get people on, kind of to see it as their own ben- benefit is the biggest challenge. The, the technology is coming for the alternative, 
which actually uh, we can see a path. We can see a, a way in which we can actually do this and retain our prosperity, retain our security. Um, the various things I would say in that, you stop telling people what to do. You start asking for their help. You start listening. You start uh, admitting uncertainties, like some of the technological innovations to step in this direction. We'll have to learn by doing and adapt. Uh, you have to speak not just to the head, but also to the heart. So it's not all, you don't drown them out with parts per million and te- megawatts and technological this, that and the other. We have to speak, bring it back home. You know, it's not just about the big planet. It's about how does it affect me, my family. But how do you, I mean, take the farming as a a case in point. If you have a a, a candidate in the local election who is knocking on a farmer, a dairy farmer's door and is saying to him, look, or to her, look, you are either going to have to buy more land to continue to uh, output the same level of output that you currently have, or you're going to have to get rid of some of your cattle. That's a hard sell, no matter what, how much you appeal to the heart. And those kind of issues are multiplied across everything to do with the environment. There is a direct personal no, impact. Every place matters, every person matters. There was a major study done by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, at the start of this year. They interviewed, I think, about 4,000 people right across the country. Really detailed, really scientific assessment. It was called the climate change in the Irish mind. And about 3 or 4% of people were sceptical about climate change. You might call it climate sceptics. About 85% plus actually, yep, it's real. I want to be part of the solution. I see this as important to protect my children's future and so on. And there was no difference between rural and urban. There was no difference between rich and poor. There was no difference between young and old. It's an existential understanding. We're not stupid. We can see, you know, read the science and, and see on telly what's happening. And actually, yeah, we do only part of it. So we're not, if you're starting in the premise that, oh, everyone is opposed, and particularly the likes of the farming community, farming community are smart. Like they, they can say, oh, listen, they can see it happening. You know, they can see it in the weather systems hitting here. You know, back in 2018, our ground is concrete because we were drought. This summer, you can't bring your hay in in July because it's the wettest July ever and also the fifth warmest ever, which is the weird part of it. So, and I think, going back to what I said about can't be blaming, can't be shaming, you're the problem. Farmers are going to be the heroes of this transition. They're going to be central to the solution because they have the skills in knowing how to manage land. So we do produce high quality food, which is sustainable, which it does get a premium. Like we get, we want, we trade an orange green brand. Like we go out to the world saying the Emerald Isle, forty shades of green. Um, uh, you know, we set our Bailey's bottles with a lovely farmyard farm scene and a pristine river running across the front of the bottle. Um, and and we have, do have an advantage in that. Like we are much closer to a sustainable form of agriculture than your fifteen thousand lot farm in Texas or in Beijing, where you're shipping the soya from across the world. But even that is another one. I mean, I I, I do not mean to keep raining on your parade, but even that is another issue where when you say that, people will say, "Sure, what's the point in little tiny Ireland when you have exactly exact those examples?" The exact opposite. Flip it the other way. Every place matters, every person matters. We are the front line. We're the most important people. This idea of why should I do anything because China isn't doing something. Firstly, they are. They're way ahead in electric vehicles and PV. They're actually developing the new economy, this new alternative solutions that will be better. Oh, they have a long road to travel though, it must be no, said. No, 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 no. It's, it's taking off... Oh, no, I speed. don't mean an EV. I mean in environmental terms generally, China oh, no, has we a do. We're, we're in deep trouble. But the speed and the scale of the innovation... That energy density of fossil fuels is very real. 
But the advantage of the renewable efficient future is that it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. We will never fight over solar power. We are fighting over oil all the time because everyone has access to it. But there's a case in point. I watched the, I think it was one of the uh, uh, Chinese uh, minister on a British programme recently uh, asked about relations with Britain. And what what he said was, what I thought was extraordinary because essentially he said, Britain is very nice and utterly irrelevant and basically it just has to get along with China. And the sense that China has the scope to dismiss the UK as utterly irrelevant other than as a warm generalised presence from history. Why do they care what we would do? What difference does it possibly make what a nation of five million people do? Well, Ireland is... For a nation of five million, firstly, our emissions are the equivalent of 400 million people from the poorest countries. So we're not small, unfortunately, because we do have very high emissions. And also, we're not... But we're also an interesting country. A lot of people... We have a lot of soft diplomatic power where people are have a vision or an impression of Ireland, correctly in my mind, we're a small open economy addressed to the world, which was colonised rather than the coloniser, but which is part of the developed world. Like, we got elected to the UN Security Council. By who? By the small island developing country and developing countries, because they see Ireland as an example of what we could be and what the world could go in the future, where the kind of the small guys have a shot. So come back to what I was saying about why should we do it because China isn't doing it. Well, actually China is, first of all, but secondly, this is a chance for every place to shine. And this isn't just about solving a global problem. It's also about making our island beautiful. It's also about making my uh, street, my parish, my valley, my field beautiful. And I think all of us can relate to that. It was interesting. This summer it was really interesting politically. Nature restoration law. And a lot of the political impetus was to stop it. A lot of people from all parties, from Sinn Féin, from Fianna Gael, from Fianna Fáil, were saying, oh, this is a bad idea, uh, terrible, we'd vote against it. Until at that moment, the Irish public, the silent majority you don't often hear about, recognising that the natural world is disappearing before our eyes, said, oh, hold on a second here now. We want to live in a world which we protect creation. And they started then to be heard. And the vote in the end turned at the last minute because I think people do. Like people, it's part of our human existence is we're connected to nature and we want to live in a beautiful natural world. I want to ask you about something entirely different. Your your party colleague, um, Catherine Martin, has obviously had her hands full in relation to uh, RTE in the last couple of months. And one of the things that is emerging at the end of this is this discussion about whether or not there would be a media charge, what's going to happen with the licence fee, the significant drop in, in people paying the licence fee. And I cast my mind back to you holding that brief oh, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. more. And fairly soon after, but it would have been overlapping your time in the brief, There was a a consultation process around all of this. There was a recommendation made in respect of immediate charge. There was a decision made at cabinet level as to whether or not it would be revenue who were collecting it or whether it would be on post or whoever else. It was locked, loaded, ready to go a decade ago. What happened? I think there was a loss of political courage to deliver it. I'd say the water charges thing tripped that up as well. People felt, look at what you're doing with the household charges and water and are we going to do the same when it came to media? And I think the, at a time when that was the big central issue, I think that's what happened. So I, RT is effectively reaping that now to some extent in that the, the deficit that they now face, the challenges that they now face in the licence fee, they wouldn't be there if this was done 10 years ago. Yeah, and not just RTE. I think it's important in this, what was lock and loaded and correctly, is that the need to broaden out some of the income going to other media because in truth, 
Irish journalism, like journalism all over the world, is hugely challenged at the moment. The main challenge is that the vast majority of the advertising goes to Google, Facebook, Twitter, all the online uh, technology companies and not to fund journalism, media, entertainment here. So we need to address that. Like if we want to avoid the situation where uh, news coverage, political investigation derives down to the hands up who believes in climate change world, which we saw that Fox News television program. If we want good quality information that we can trust, not in a disinformation filled world, which really fundamentally threatens democracy, we have to make sure that our media industry public sector broadcasters and others have a viable business model. And it is for entertainment as well as good quality yes, news. Yes, if you don't build the audience, you can't do all of yeah, the no, important and, stuff. And I think by and large, Archie have served the people of this country well by that dual model. And is Catherine Martin going to deliver all this anytime soon? We have to soon? deliver it. We have absolutely committed to it. I think all three parties in government and Catherine is obviously committed to it. We have to make sure that we have a stable funding system. We cannot be tripped up by kind of investigations, you know, every week at the Iraq Committee, the latest scan, the latest twist. And, and what's your view? Revenue to collect? I, I, the key thing is that we do have a sustainable funding model. The exact mechanism, that's something Catherine will advise and we will decide. But you don't have an opinion because undoubtedly you will have looked at this in your time. I said yes. I, I was asked this question and I gave my own personal opinion. But the most important thing to say, I would say, is whatever mechanism it is, we need to decide on it relatively quickly so that there's certainty, so that morale, so that the sense of... Young people, you know, you want to go into journalism. You want, you want to, that's an issue at the moment in terms of why would you go in if you're not certain you'd be able to raise a family on the income that would come out of it. We need to solve that very quickly. Eamon Ryan, thank you very much. That is Eamon Ryan, Minister for the Environment, Climate, Communications and Transport and, of course, leader of the Green Party. The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.